Well, good morning. <clears throat> I just uh, got to start off by just thanking everyone who helped us with Vacation Bible School. It just concluded on Thursday, but we had a great week. So if you helped donate supplies for that, thank you very much. If you were here for the whole week or even a few weeks before that, getting things prepped, I want to say thanks for the tech team, the praise band, uh, the, the characters and actors that did the skits for us, all the people who helped guide kids from rotation to rotation, the class guides, registration, uh, sec our security team, obviously our snack and games and missions and everybody else who participated. I just wanted to say thank you very much. It was a lot of fun for these kids. Now, if you're like me, I grew up loving Star Wars. Maybe some of you are younger, you didn't grow up watching it as much as I did. But when you heard that theme music coming on, the scrolling of the text, you got a little excited because you, you like the stories of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo, Princess Leia, what was going to happen for them. Then you got the good other characters like Chewie and obviously the cute little Ewoks. I liked them back in the day. And then you had the, the little droids, R2-D2 and 3CPO. It was just a lot of fun. Now, obviously, in the last 10 years, you had episodes 8 and 9 come out to kind of bring us all back from the, from the older. You may have liked them or not liked them, but you had different characters that came along with it. But Star Wars just kind of kept blooming and moving on. There's all these other little smaller movies or all these TV series shows with different seasons. And we decided to pick one of them that was on Disney Plus and it's like, let's talk about the Mandalorian. And we changed it to Christ the Lord. And because ultimately we come to church to worship Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And so that's why we picked it. We want to teach kids about Jesus. Now, in the story of the Mandalorian show, you have a guy named Din Djerian who is the Mandalorian, the key guy. I call him Mando for short. But he um, was a bounty hunter. And he had a task go and try to get this target to take it to this evil guy named Moff Gideon. Now, when he gets there, he takes this child and he starts to realize this child is only a green little Yoda, baby Yoda type thing. And his name is Grogu. But he decides to change his heart and goes and starts to protect this child. And as you watch it, I started thinking about, well, this would be a great movie or a great show to talk about at VBS because there's a couple stories in the Bible where God protects some babies because they have an ultimate plan later when they grow up. And so we're going to talk about these kids this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 1. I'm going to read pretty quick, so if you get there a little late, sorry, it's going to Exodus chapter 1, starting in verse 6. And it goes like this. Now Joseph... And all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. It says, Then a new king, who did not know about Joseph, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against and leave the country. So if you think about it, you had Joseph who was put in to Egypt and he got, got put there by his brothers. You know the story about Joseph and he gets put there and he gets put in jail. He didn't do anything wrong. But God used him to help basically save the Egyptian people and also save his own people, the Israelites, by interpreting a dream and then how there was going to be a big famine. And then the Pharaoh says, won't you be second in command? And so now you have Joseph who's second in command and he brings his own family and lives there in Egypt and they get to survive through the famine. Well, it says here, as a new king and Joseph and his generations pass on, they forget what Joseph and the Israelites did for Egypt. 
And it says in verse 11, So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Remesis as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. The first thing you see here is that God's people were put into slavery. They are forced into labor. Let's continue in verse 15. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Pua, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. What? That's not nice. And then verse 22. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born you must throw, be thrown into the river, but let every girl live. So now the Egyptian leader, he's like, okay, there's one way we can stop this growth of the, of the Israelites. Hey, midwives, when you see that these babies are born and they're a boy, just kill it real quick. Well, luckily for the Israelites, the midwives feared God and did not do it. So the Egyptian pharaoh decided, well, let's do another thing. I want all of Egypt, when you see an Israelite boy who is born, throw him in the river. That'll stop him. So that takes us on to the next thing. Well, in the TV show Mandalorian, Moff Gideon wanted to run some tests on that little baby Yoda, Grogu, and ultimately he wanted to kill him because he knew that he had some special Jedi forces as well, and he could help and do some things and be against what they want. If you knew the dark side, they always wanted to eliminate the good and the Jedi. So let's continue to read in chapter 2, verse 1. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. It says, Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. And this is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Should I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So Moses' mother saved him, ultimately. She knew that he was a special boy. She knew that she couldn't keep him quiet. Anyone who have children know that after a few months, they start making lots of noises. And so about three months, she's like, I can't hide him anymore. She puts him in a basket, puts him in the river along the reeds so it doesn't float way away, but kind of puts him over in the reeds. And then Pharaoh's daughter comes by, and she's getting ready to take a bath. And she sees the basket, and she sends one of her servants to go collect the baby or the basket out. And she sees that there's this baby in it, and it's crying. It's a Hebrew child. Well, here's the good story is that Moses' sister was following along just to see what would happen to him. And when she sees that Pharaoh's daughter gets him out of the water, she goes up and says, Hey, you want me to go find someone to help you take care of this child? Yes, of course, do that. Go get a Hebrew woman to nurse him. So who does she get? Mama, right? Mama comes in, and here's the cool thing. Pharaoh's daughter pays her 
to nurse her child. How many of you moms would love to get paid to take care of your own children? I mean, it'd be awesome. Now, sadly, she has to give the baby back, the child, as it grows up and could live with Pharaoh and live inside the Pharaoh's household. But Moses was saved by God and his mother and through Pharaoh's daughter. Let's continue to read in verse 11 now. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, glancing this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and told him, and basically, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting, and he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well, which is really important because he finds his future bride right there. He finds Zipporah, but Moses has to flee for his life. He stands up for his own people, but he killed, and he has to get away. Let's continue to read now in chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Pretty cool, huh? So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, whatever voice you want to use God for him. And Moses says, here I am. Skip down to verse 10. So now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So God calls Moses to help lead the Israelites out of Egypt. I mean, it's kind of interesting. If you saw a bush on fire, you'd probably go check it out too if it's not burning up. And he did, but I don't think God's, I mean, God calls Moses and says, you're going to be the leader now. You're going to go and deliver my people. Even though I knew you used to live there, and they hated you, now you're going to deliver them. It's a pretty interesting thing. Well, I've got a few things I want to share with you. Some of you who were at BBS saw these fun little toys. You got this one. Pretty sweet. And these are the weapons of choice by a lot of characters in Star Wars. You have the Jedi lightsabers who are defending the galaxy against the forces of evil and their enemies. Then you have the Sith, the evil ones, who are against good and trying to defeat them and get rid of them. A lot of times the good ones have the green or the blue or yellow um, lightsabers most of the time. And then you have the red ones that represented the, the evil ones. So it's really easy to tell between good and evil. Now in the Mandalorian show, they also had another saber called the Dark Saber. Now it was a saber that both of the groups wanted. The Mandalorians really wanted because sometimes that leader could ultimately become the leader of their nation. But what does a leader of the Israelite people have to carry? They don't get the lightsaber, which is cool. They get to carry whatever it was. I'm not sure what it looked like, but he had a staff, didn't he? Moses, he says, Moses is like making all these excuses. I can't go and be the Israelite leader. I can't speak very well. No one's going to follow me. How will they even know that you have called me to be the leader? He says, well, I'll give you a couple examples. One, drop your staff. 
and what does it turn into? Thankfully, it does not do this on stage. I'll be jumping around. All right. He reaches down and picks up the staff that had turned into a snake, and it comes back into a staff. Then he goes, I'll give you another sign. If they can't believe you on that one, he goes, all right, see your hand? It's all nice and clean. It's, 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 it's good. Take it inside your cloak, inside your shirt, pull it out, and now it has leprosy all over it, which is really, really bad. He goes, put it back in your sleeve, pull it back out, and it's gone. He goes, use those are some examples of like, I am behind you, and I'm going to lead you to lead these people out of slavery. So Moses reluctantly finally goes, takes his, his brother Aaron with him, and they go and they help lead the Israelites out of Egypt. But first they have to go and talk to Pharaoh, and they're like, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And multiple times he says no. And eventually after the 10th plague, of killing of the firstborn, he finally says, get out of here, take your people and go. And so Moses gets them all loaded up and they start marching out, caravanning out, and they go towards the Red Sea. And while they're there, some things happen. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 13. In verse 21, we're just going to cover a verse here. It says, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light. So they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So God's people are following this cloud. Could you imagine? Like, whoa, what are we following? This cloud? Where we're following this light, this big fire at night. God just showing up in miraculous ways for them. But then they are near the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh hardened his heart again. He's like, let's go get them. Chariots and soldiers, go get them. Go attack them. So here they see them coming, and they're scared, wouldn't you be? Seeing your enemies coming to attack you. So they're crying out to God and asking God for help. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 14, now verse 15. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and, and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. So God provides right here. God provides in many, many ways. If you think about it, God provides to us in many, many ways too. We may not have a red seed in front of us, but maybe you have an illness or maybe you have some other things that you struggle with. God can provide you a way through those things. God provides. He provides for the wicked and the good. He loves his creation regardless of how people choose to live. God provided a path of the Red Sea by him raising his staff and the Red Sea parted. He provided a way to defeat his enemies by raising it back across and the waters crash over the Egyptian soldiers and drown them. God provided a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night so they could travel through the desert and the wilderness to get where they needed to go. God provided. Turn me to Exodus chapter 16, verse 1. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is already Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. 
In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And in this way, I will test them and they will see, and I will see whether they will follow my instructions. So God provides food. They're crying and whining, God, why don't we just, why did you take us out of Egypt? They had all this food for us to eat. Even though we were suffering, at least we had food. Now they're in this desert and they're like, we're hungry. So God rains down manna, what is it, in the morning. They collect it, they eat it that day. If you read on, God also decides to drop some birds from the sky, quail, and let them have some meat and provides for them. Then in chapter 17, starting in verse 2, it says this. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? When Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. Talking about a tough way to be a leader. The the Lord answered Moses, walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock, the water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. Once again, God provides. He gives them water. Then if you read chapters 19 through 20, God calls Moses to go up on Mount Sinai, and he gives them the Ten Commandments. Why? Because God wanted them to be different. God wanted them to have a way of living a righteous life and a holy life, to be set apart than other nations. So God provided instructions on how to live. So the Israelite people would follow God's commands, and they would turn away from them. They would follow God's commands again, repent and come back, fall away from them. Time after time again, they would follow, but then eventually God just pulled back and allowed the nations around them to conquer them as a punishment because they became more and more wicked. And God's people and all of mankind needed help. God sent us the hope we all needed. He spoke through the prophets of Micah and Isaiah to let the people know that God was sending them a Savior. The people waited and waited for the Savior to come. They got impatient. They lost hope. But in the end, God still proved to be faithful. He always delivers on his promises. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. And this is about our second baby. In children's ministry, we've been, uh, if you saw me walking around in a nice little Santa suit, today is Christmas in July, celebration for kids' ministry. And this is very fitting for what we're talking about, the second child. Chapter, 18, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, says this. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people 
from their sins. God has a rescue plan. He sends baby Jesus. Now we know that the shepherds come and visit Jesus after he was born. And then a couple years later, you have these wise men, the magi who come and visit. So jump down to chapter 2, verse 7. Then Herod called the magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Then in verse 10, when they, they're talking about the Magi, saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So the Magi visit Jesus, and they realize through a dream that this Herod guy is shady. He wants to harm this child. Sounds kind of similar to the Mandalorian movie and Moses and the Pharaoh. So in verse 13, when they had gone, the Magi, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. So Joseph took Mary and Jesus, and they got out of there, out of Bethlehem, and they went off to Egypt because King Herod wanted to kill him. And then in verse 19, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. But those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. So Joseph now is leaving Egypt, because Herod's dead. But then he realizes, oh, I can't go right back to where we were because maybe his son is going to take a search for, for my child as well. So he goes and lives in Nazareth. Now, I have a question from some of you Star Wars nerds out there. I'm being nice. I kind of am one, but not as much as some of you out there. But for those Star Wars nerds out there, what is the name of the sixth episode, the movie? It was actually the third one made. Return of the Jedi. Yep, it's, fitting, it's a fitting name because in the movie, the Jedi make a return through young Luke Skywalker. If you know episodes one through three, which was made after four, five, and six, I know it's confusing for some of you to just kind of start following Star Wars, but the Jedi were the guardians of the galaxy. But Darth Vader comes into play, and he rose to power, and he starts to eliminate the Jedi, except for maybe Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Then Luke Skywalker comes into the scene, and he's one of the first Jedi that helps lead the rebellion to victory over the Empire. Now, I have a question for you nerds out there. How many of you know that The Return of the Jedi was not originally the, the name of that movie? It had a different title all the way up to almost the release date. It had a different poster and everything. Does anyone know what that one's called? 
It was called the, um, yeah, someone can help me, Revenge of the Jedi. But George Lucas stopped for a second and goes, that's not what I want to give out as a message. Because the Jedi don't take revenge. Think about it. Luke Skywalker did not take revenge on Darth Vader for killing all the Jedi. He had a chance. Instead, he tried to bring him back to the good side and to save him. That's not revenge. That's grace. Grace is when someone is given forgiveness when they don't deserve it. So Luke showed his father Darth Vader while he was at the Death Star that, you know, I forgive you and offered him grace that he didn't deserve. And grace is what God gives you and me when he sent his son Jesus to be our savior. So Jesus saves and it's our decision. Maybe Jesus grew up, became a man, he began his ministry, he healed people, he taught people, he raised people from the dead, and then he does something miraculous for all of us. And I'm going to show you the last video that we showed at Vacation Bible School to the kids. I hope you enjoy it. Watch it on the screen. The story of Easter. Jesus' sacrifice. This is Jesus. hey Who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love and healed people from their sickness. He did many miracles like calming storms and even raised people from the dead. The Jewish leaders and teachers did not like what Jesus was doing or how he claimed to be the Son of God. And so they made a plan to arrest him to get rid of him once and for all. Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, agreed to betray Jesus come here, come here, come here. and give him over to the religious leaders for some money. Jesus was in a garden praying and Judas showed the man who Jesus was. Jesus was arrested and taken to the rulers of the land so that they could decide what to do with him. Jesus was presented before the high council and they asked him if he was the Messiah, the savior of the Jews. They asked him if he was claiming to be the son of God. You say that I am. And the council was furious and they shouted that Jesus was guilty and he deserves to die. So they took Jesus before the Roman ruler Pilate, and he heard the case against Jesus. Pilate didn't think that Jesus had done anything wrong. Huh, okay to me. They found him to be innocent, so Pilate said that he would punish Jesus and then release him. <laughs> but the crowd kept screaming louder and louder, crucify him, we want him dead. And because of the pressure of the crowd, Pilate turned Jesus over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Jesus was hurt and spit on. His clothes were torn and taken from him, and a crown made out of thorns was put on his head. 
He was beaten so badly that he could barely stand on his own. And then he was forced to carry his cross so far up a mountain that he needed help because he could not do it on his own. Once Jesus made it to the place where he would be crucified, called the skull, the soldiers around him nailed him to the cross and waited for him to die. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, many people shouted to him, If you really are the Son of God, save yourself from the cross. But Jesus knew he had to die to forgive his people for their sins. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land. Three hours later, Jesus took his last breath and finally died. At that very moment, the curtain in the temple that separated the priests from God's holy place tore in two. A soldier watching the whole thing said, This man truly was the Son of God. Then a righteous man named Joseph came and placed Jesus' body in a tomb. Three days passed and it seemed that there was no hope. But very early on Sunday morning, the woman who cared for Jesus went to go visit his body and found that his tomb was empty and that he was no longer there. <coughs> Don't be afraid, said an angel. He is not here. He is risen. At this, the woman remembered that Jesus had told them that he would rise again on the third day. And ran to go tell the disciples what they had seen and heard. Huh? And then for the next 40 days, Jesus appeared to his disciples and many others and showed them that he was alive and well. He taught them that what he did was the only way that they could be forgiven and be with God forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So in the video, you see that Jesus allowed them to arrest him. He allowed them to beat him and to crucify him for us. He could have stopped him. He had all the power, power to do it, but he chose to do it for us. Jesus rose from the dead and he conquered sin and death to prove to us that he truly was the Son of God. See, God wants to give us that grace. He wants to give the grace to everyone who believes in him. God wants to forgive our sins, not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. The Bible makes it clear that we are helpless with God, is set apart. If we are apart from him, we can't do anything without him. But if we trust in him, we can have a new life. There's nothing you can do to earn his grace because grace is freely given by Jesus. But Grace has to be accepted. When we receive God's grace, we don't just receive forgiveness, but we can receive the gift of eternal life. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only 
begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I want to share a story that happened at VBS and it just kind of gets my heart every time. On Thursday night, during our opening program, we had a skit. And there, one of the characters reads John 3.16. And one of the other characters says, I believe in Jesus. And the next one says, I believe in Jesus too. And here's what broke my heart and made me just think about it over and over. The kids start raising their hand and yelling, I believe in Jesus too. I believe in Jesus. If you watch the video, you can hear it. It was worth it to do all this work just to hear these kids proclaim their faith in Jesus. God has given us grace by sending his son to die for our sins. The baby born in a manger staged the greatest rescue mission ever in the world. Nothing you say or do will deserve his grace. God wants to give it to you through Jesus because he loves you and wants you to live with him forever. So which side do you choose? The dark side or God's side, the light? Lightsabers are pretty cool, especially in the fight scenes you may have seen. I know Mike was one of my characters. He had a great time fighting with the swords and so did uh, Patrick over here. They're a lot of fun to watch. They'd be even cooler to own if they were real, but very, very dangerous. Kids shouldn't play with one if they were real. They could, they could almost carve through any kind of metal. But the Bible tells us that the punishment for our sin is death. And because of our sin, we don't deserve anything other than being separated from God. But because if we believe in Jesus, he will cut off our sins and take them away. No matter what you've done, Jesus forgives you. No matter how bad you feel about what you've done in your life, guess what? Jesus forgives you and me. He will cast them out. He will cut them off like a lightsaber and he will push them far away from us, never to return. John chapter 14, six says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, because Jesus is the way.